I pressed the wrong button. All right, here we go. What'd you do? Accidentally stopped recording. everybody i'm ryan and i'm steve and this is 60 cycle hum the guitar buying selling trading modding fixing breaking reviewing playing podcast. podcast it's a podcast this first ad from the used depths of the internet was sent to us by uh oh i didn't get the full the guy's full name his last name is zizo though uh steve zizu steve zizu there you go he's uh he's a uh, aqu- aquatic Yes, yeah, so. yeah, aquatic life. <laughs> I, I think it's like Mark. I think it's Mark Zizou. It's something like Mark that. Zizou. I thought I for sure I copied his whole, his whole name in there, but apparently I missed it. So I'm sorry, uh, Zizou. You've got a cool last name, Zizou. I don't know. why I keep messing it up. It's the same name as the famous either, movie right? that I actually really like. So that's on me. We have got a crazy guitar here, an Epiphone Casino with Jazzmaster pickups in it. Yep, it says, uh, this is a bit of a dream, right? Overseas casino with dope pickups. This is what this is. Made in China casino stock, plus a USA Fender Vintage Jazzmaster pick- Picks-ups. Picks Gotta get ups. those picks-ups. Those picks-ups. This guitar had a neck break. I left the paint job alone to show where it was. It's been strung and played every day for two weeks. Today is June 10th. I will play this every day till it sells. For anyone that might care, technically, you could take these Jazzmaster pups out and put back the dog ears without anyone knowing, but that would be so dumb. That's the end. That's the last thing they say about that. So is there not a cosmetic change here versus dog ears? To me, I think there would need to be some sort of wood mangled for this to happen correctly there's definitely a cosmetic change uh oh you know what there might not be a cosmetic change because uh i think this is not he didn't route out to fit these he just screwed it direct so you'd see like very tiny screw holes if the dog ears don't cover the edges just about right right because it looks like he mangled the 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 pickup covers instead of mangling the guitar which is a a good move it's a smart move um i gotta say kind of into this uh well you're wrong (laughs) i like you know me i like single coils i like jaguar pickups i like jazz master pickups uh you know I don't know why I said Jaguar. That was a slip of the tongue. Uh, I would love to have a semi-hollow with just a Jazzmaster pickup in the neck. You put whatever you want in the bridge, but a Jazzmaster pickup in the neck of a semi-hollow, that just sounds like good, clean fun to me. I'm looking at the way the bridge pickup sits, and I'm not even sure if... Uh, the. I guess... May, yeah, I don't think the dog ear is going to cover that. Dog ear, the dog ear pickup is smaller. Yeah, that's my than a my jazz instinct. master pickup. Yeah, so you're definitely going to have holes in this body. Um, this is what this is one of those points for execution. I I, I can't like you. I can't appreciate that uh, he mangled the pickup a bit to make it fit. He mangled the pit guard to make it fit. It's there's the sort glue. Of thing, it's there's a, glue on the body. Yeah, it's the sort of thing where it looks good from about 10 feet away. The close-up picks make it look very sloppy. Um, yeah. But I, got, I would 
it, if someone could do a, a a clean execution of this, I would be into it. I'd just be into it. Um, having the the screw tabs taken off of the the neck pickup bugs me a bit. I would want a Jazzmaster pickup properly installed in the neck position on a guitar. I wonder if I could do that to the Groat. It would take a Jazzmaster pickup. There you go. I've got uh, the Squire Jazzmaster pickup still. I'd throw this out there. Um, maybe I'm looking at some pricing here. Uh, uh, maybe not. I was going to say maybe if this is local to you, you can pick this up. And then if you had some Jazzmaster covers, swap that out, sell the pickups, sell, put the... Original pickups back in, blah, 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 blah. No, I don't think this is worth... Are these guitars worth much at all? I feel like the price is just under fair or just over fair at $422. No, I think, the, I, think, I think the price is... I think the price is over fair, mm. but I understand that they're basically saying that you know these are... What are they? USA Fender Vintage Jazz, whatever that means. No, you can't. You can't. You can't determine the price of this guitar based on the pickups. You've mangled it. Even though someone like me likes the concept in theory, you can't factor in the price of these pickups into this guitar because you've mangled the guitar and you've you. <laughs> also, this guitar had a neck break and it hasn't been fully repaired yet. That's like the, true. The finish. That's true. The finish I, is still missing on the neck. So I for, I forget about that. And that's one thing I don't understand because he says this guitar had a neck break. A neck break. Uh-huh. Can't talk. I left the paint job alone to show where it was. So is he saying that the neck break is still there? Well, he he repaired it the way you repair a Gibson break. Um, I don't, I don't know why he would have left it unfinished. Is is he saying that he will f- cover it when it sells? So that's the thing is, then he says it's been strung and played every day for two weeks. So is he trying to say that I left the paint job alone to show where it was, like I repaired it, I left it alone, and I've been playing it every day for two weeks to demonstrate its stability? Because I, I almost read it as like there's a crack in the neck, but it hasn't it hasn't completely fallen apart no, yet. No, no. I, I, I hear that as he fixed a crack in the neck or he fixed a broken headstock. And he just didn't. <laughs> He's trying to justify why he didn't put paint back on it <laughs> to cover up the repair. You know, it looked to be fair. It looks like a clean repair on the neck. I mean, it looks like a clean job there. It looks smooth. Uh, I can't even see the crack or anything. I just see where there might have been a crack where finish has been removed. You know why you can't see the crack, man? Why? Because you need enhance. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I could try to zoom in on that picture. I can see the crack like just on drive. Like I can see where the crack ah, was. It, it. it runs uh it runs off the nut at like a forty five degree angle. Yeah, thirty degree angle. It doesn't matter. I mean it's it is what it is. But I would say at that point, uh that oh, you could see it right there. Now it's now you can't see it. I can't get it to it changes the picture instead of scrolling oh, it around. Oh, lame. Um, so, so it's there. So I'd say the crack is a deal killer. The pickups are like, I'll, you know, benefit of the doubt, it's a coin. Maybe it's a coin flip. Right. It sounds like from your position, it's like a coin flip. Like, eh, it's a fun concept. 
you know, no, no, maybe like no harm, no foul. But to me, the, the repaired, uh, the repaired neck, this, that makes, if this was $300, you've you have my attention. Yeah. At $422 plus $25 shipping. Uh, you can. I'm looking Miss at this more that. as an inspiration piece. I don't want to buy it. I'm not going to. Yeah. Pay, I'm not going to pay 300 bucks for this. But I'm looking at my Starcaster now and thinking, is a Jazzmaster pickup going to fit in the neck? No. <laughs> ah, yeah, actually, my I could see that fitting. It's got the wide easier. range. It's got the wide ranges in there with a humbucker ring. So yeah. maybe I could find someone to make me some kind of adapter piece that would allow me to put a Jazzmaster pickup in the neck of that, and that would be pretty slick, I think. Yeah. So. Um, here's my thought. Four hundred twenty-two dollars. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I can. I can see what you're saying. Like conceptually, this is like. Uh, this is like. There's this dude uh, in the Olympics, and he's a he's a figure skater. Is this a real Russian. story or hypothetical? This is a real story. Okay. I don't remember what the guy's name is, uh, but he was like the first dude to do a quad. It's like a quad axle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, if you ever watched this guy skate, he was like a power skater. Uh, he could do a quad axle. But if you ever watched his the rest of his routine, he was the best at tricks. He could like barely freaking skate. Oh. Like he looked like he – it was like his first day of – he looked like he was like really good at parkour but barely. Like didn't know like it, it was just really awkward to watch him skate and so, so it's like if someone was a skateboarder and they could they could ollie over you know a chain link fence but they couldn't you know skate to the Seven Eleven you know they couldn't do the functional thing but they could do the trick right it's like if a dude could if it's like a dude could go down a half pipe it's like if Tony Hawk could do the ten eighty but like he would if he was trying to ride a skateboard down the sidewalk he would fall down at the curb. Right, right. Or at least, it's, I guess it wouldn't be the same. It would just look like he was going to fall down. It's like if someone is like a pro surfer, but they can't swim. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there, there's some, that's an interesting story. There's something missing there. So it's like, yeah, that, I can see where you're going with this. Like this guy can do a functional, somewhat clean looking repair to a neck break. But then his, his attempt to shoehorn these pickups into this guitar but despite it being a cool concept the execution's sloppy like yeah. i i would not want to pay anywhere resembling the value of this guitar for this guitar just because you don't know the just how far it's been mangled to do this it can't be reversed to take it back to its original value and if you buy it out of curiosity and discover that you don't like it at all and it's just you know, the ugliness is too much for you up close. Like you're stuck with it. You're going to have to sell this at a loss. Yeah. I, but then if you are curious about this concept, but you don't want to commit it to your nice guitar, I mean, I bet this guy would take 375, 350 pretty quick. Um, and then you can try it out. You can try out the concept on a cheap guitar and then commit it to your nice guitar later. If you want. So there's that angle. In the grand scheme of things, 400-ish bucks isn't that crazy to try something and then take a loss on it when you sell it because you're done. Yeah. I found it. I found it. My wife messaged me 
and said, was it Timothy Goebel? It wasn't because he was American. Right. But he could do quads. In the 2010 Olympics, it was actually called the quadruple jump controversy. Uh, it was uh, Evgeny Plushenko who could do a – he did a quadruple in combination with a triple toe. Is I like know a, we have a lot of big ice skating fans in the audience who want to know about this. It's a big niche. It's a, it's a side niche for us is uh, ice yeah, yeah. skating discussion. Um, when I'm not, when you're like not a, running your fantasy dive, high dive team, I'm <laughs> I'm building my fantasy ice my figure skating team. That's a that's a way back callback on that one. Uh, is it like a cool running situation where this guy is like a gymnast, so he can just jump and do spins all day? And he's like, oh, I can't. I'm il- ineligible for to enter as a gymnast. I know what I'll do. I'll do my spins on ice skates. I don't, you know, I don't think it was anything like that. Like he was always a figure skater. I think it was just something where he, I, I, I don't know. He just, he just wasn't very finesse. Mm. Uh, like I mean, it's not like he ever fell down when he was skating. Like just skating, he just looked kind of, looked kind of awkward. It kind of sounds to me like he's the ice skating equivalent of my guitar playing. <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> what you drinking there? Uh, this is the canned version of Wizards and Gargoyles. Oh, the the coffee hazy coffee IPA. Did I hold that in front of the camera right? I did. Um, there we go. I'm just drinking water. I swear. I, I'm not... <laughs> sorry. In the chat, my wife said, "Oh, Plushenko, the guy who kind of looks like Ryan without a beard." <laughs> I'll have to look this guy up. Everyone kind of looks like me. I mean. What are you going to do? Uh, I know you already said you already told me behind the scenes that you don't have anything new. Uh, my what's new is, is off topic. I started doing the keto thing or keto. Keto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, How's that going? Nah, it's fine. It's really a minor adjustment to my to my diet anyways. But I don't know. You've been I, on it for like a, a couple days or what? Uh, since Sunday morning. So today's okay. Thursday, so less than a week. But how many meals have you had bacon? <laughs> uh, uh, well, I haven't had bacon, but I have a uh, you know I have some bacon grease left over from last week from a BLT. So I've been frying eggs and bacon <laughs> grease and stuff, uh, which grief. is normal for me, anyways. It's, Can you not use like regular oil? I just like using bacon grease because it's got a oh, good okay. flavor. <laughs> Uh, but the, to me, like the the everything people were saying, like oh, you're just going to eat bacon all day. That sounds ridiculous because no, oh, yeah, bacon yeah. is expensive per pound when you consider that most of that ends up as just fat in the pan that you don't use for the most part. Yeah, um, I feel like uh, I mean, if if you you know, there's a lot of different approaches to how to do keto. Yeah, um, I mean, you could just go really simple and just buy like. 40 pounds of chicken breasts like it's it's the whole thing is that like the ba- i think the bacon thing is just because people are like oh i can eat anything i want as right, long right. as it's keto i'm only gonna eat bacon <laughs> yeah, that's silly i'm i already had a diet where you know my you know just how i eat are you heavily focused on protein and fiber so it's it's really been kind of a minor adjustment for me i what i did is i've stopped eating uh carb heavy fruits you know, and then I stopped eating right. the one or two slices of bread I eat a day. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> so you know, and then you know, no breakfast foods like like oatmeal or anything like that. 
Right. Um, so it's not that huge of a deal. I've noticed because um, I'm, I'm doing it for my blood sugar. Everyone that, that on Facebook was giving me advice for weight loss, and that's really not my goal. I mean, I could lose some weight. I've got a little bit of a gut. I've got about 20 pounds I could lose to get back into college weight. Um, but it's, it's more about me trying to balance up my, my blood sugar. And yeah. it, seems, it seems to be making me more even this week, but I haven't seen any sort of big adjustment to my blood sugar. So I don't know. I, I'm probably going to give it about two weeks and then figure out if I want to continue on with this. Right. Go, go back to eating something other than meat, celery, and nuts. <laughs> yeah. I guess my, like, kind of what's new is I brought my, uh, I brought my, finally brought my 60 cycle hum hat in and my other hat. Oh yeah, I see your hats back there. Nice that have hats. been it. They've been in my car since Nam. <laughs> I got my sailor hat. Oh, here. you got your captain hat, Captain Burke. <laughs> I don't know why it's still out here. <laughs> uh, so you don't have any what's new to think of, even anything off topic, like my what's um, new. I don't know, man. I worked a. I had a four day weekend. I took Friday off to roll into Labor Day, and I just haven't recovered. So. Uh, if there's any way that we can um, maybe get this uh, get this whole podcast YouTube channel into the millions, so I can retire. <laughs> well, if we by, got millions uh, by the end of next week, that's not retiring. Then that's just a different job, you know. Right, right. I mean, either way, like <laughs> if we had a podcast that was getting plays in the millions, then we would be, you know, like the McElroys or whatever, spinning off into seven oh, different yeah. podcasts and. Being, having like a podcast empire, but I, I need to get my second podcast going. I've been, I keep talking about it. I keep thinking about it. I started an Instagram for it. I haven't posted any pictures. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to reserve the name. I have the website. Uh, yeah. We were chatting about I, what it would be like for us to get back podcasting in person. Now, yeah. that, now that we've established this live thing, it kind of, there's another technological hurdle for us to get over because. It's going live in person. Live with both of us in the same room. I just have to figure out how to connect my camera to the computer uh, so that we can get a wider shot of the room and stuff. Um, also, we have to figure out if that's okay with our families to be in the same rooms again when you have a it, job in, in an office. I think you need still, to see if it's okay with your family because yeah. my family is... We're still functionally quarantined in a lot of ways, but we're seeing immediate family... And we'll have kind of like outside, not touching get-togethers with like a friend here and there or something like that. You know, we don't touch each other. We don't kiss each other. We don't lick each other's eyeballs. So, <laughs> gross. <laughs> I don't know. It, I think. I think it's. I'm. I'm open to having the conversation of of getting working towards that direction again. Probably won't be next week. Probably won't be the week after that, but sometime, <laughs> sometime in the near future, we'll figure it out. You know? Yeah. If, if uh, you get COVID and die, they're going to say it's because you're diabetic. You're going to have a di <laughs> Your, your COVID death won't count because it'll be a diabetes death. <laughs> if I get COVID uh, and die, it's because people are going to say it's because I sucked at guitar. <laughs> if I get COVID and die, it'll probably be a, it'll be a hypertension death. It oh won't count goodness. as a COVID death. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, It'll be oh, I was going to make a real, a really off-color joke, but I'll keep it. I'll yeah, keep it no off-color jokes right now, Steve. Do we want to hit the sponsor? First sponsor. Um, 
Yeah, this week's first sponsor is uh, Chase, Bliss, Chase Audio. Bliss Audio. They make pedals more creative than you are with a digital brain and an analog heart, unless it's the dark world, because the dark world has a digital brain and a digital heart like a freaking robot. <laughs> uh, um, Chase Bliss Audio makes pedals. They're just freaking great. They sound great. So like an hour before pressing record on this podcast, uh, there was new news for Chase Bliss uh, bubbling what? around on on their Facebook groups and stuff like that. They have a new firmware update for the Moo. So I don't have that yet, but people are already chatting about it, talking about what it brings to the mood. It sounds like there's some new features, some more tweaks on there, which is ridiculous. I didn't even realize you could do that. I'm assuming I'll have to open up the back and maybe there's... Some sort of USB plug back there. I don't even. Oh. I don't even know you could update the firmware on these things. Um, so, man, that's a mystery I've got to solve now. If you've got a mood, mm-hmm. go over to Chase Bliss and try to figure out what's going on. Figure out uh, if you can get that firmware update and access new features on this thing. I I need to play this guy more. I you know switched over to the blooper as like my looper pedal, and this thing. Uh, got stuck on the shelf, but this is so much more than just, you know, the granule looper it's it's pushed at. It's like this crazy, like crazy time shifting delay pedal, really. So I need to spend some more time with it. I need, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't get to spend real time with pedals. Like I do my demo. Right. Every now and then I play around with them, but super complicated and deep dive stuff like that. I don't get to have the time that it deserves with it. I need to have like a guitar vacation one where you can just not film anything, Mm. not work, just hang out in the garage and just play around with this stuff and have fun on my own. Yeah. So anyways, uh, huge thanks once again to Chase Bliss Audio for sponsoring this podcast. We really appreciate it, guys. Uh, If you've ever been curious at all about Chase Bliss Pedals, if you're going over there and window shopping, put it in the cart. If you buy it, tell them that we sent you. That's all I'm saying. Buy one for Christmas for yourself. Say, this is my Christmas present. I'm going to wrap it. I'm going to put it under the tree. I know what it's going to be. No one else is going to know. Merry Christmas to me. All right. Uh, We don't have a first topic. Do we want to just do the album review right off Um, the bat? Well, I wanted to say one thing. Like, you talked about doing a a a guitar-cation, a music vacation. And I was thinking, oh, so I guess the first thing is if you're in the live stream tonight... Uh, throw us some topics because uh, we don't have a topic chosen yet. Um, but uh, the other thing I was, oh, and apparently it was for the blooper. Not oh, it was the, the blooper? Damn. Yeah. I messed that em- up big Emily time. Emily says it was for the blooper. Uh, <sighs> so now I feel like a dumbass. The, does the blooper have an obvious USB port? Ryan gets up. He's grabbing a puddle off the shelf. It does. That makes it a does. lot more sense now. Jeez. Okay. Now I just go. feel like a dumbass. <laughs> that makes uh, a lot more sense, though, for this to have uh, an update with that USB there on the side. Still, I want to spend some time with the blue with the mood. <laughs> there, I'll, I'll run them in stereo like this. There you go. Oh my gosh! What I was gonna say is what I what we need to do is I need to take a week vacation. Well, I need to take a week vacation for my family and go somewhere, anywhere. Good grief. anywhere. Just get away. And then I need I need to take a week vacation and just go to your house every day and make bass demos. Mm, that'd be fun. Uh, make some content. We can 
we can make that stupid video I suggested to you earlier this week that you were like, oh, that's not actually a terrible idea. What was it again? I can't t- say it because other oh, channels yeah. will steal it. Yeah, yeah, they'll steal it for sure. All that. Theft. It's the one where we compare the one thing with the other thing. Oh yeah, and we and I've got like, we, yeah, we compare I've got like the, four of them behind me. <laughs> compare the one thing with the other thing. Yeah, yeah. I've got some with one knob. I've got some with two knobs. Oh, yeah. Now I remember. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, (laughs) Get Offset wants us to talk about 10 Great Songs, which is Emily. Yeah. Uh, 10 Great Songs with Mistakes. And the problem is that um, I... uh, (laughs) RJ just messaged me. Hold on. Since we're just way off the rails already. Uh, apparently he is not going to join the live stream tonight because of right now 69 people are watching. <laughs> no, now it's 70. Emily well, just super chatted us. That's ridiculous. I mean, talk, talk right. about mistakes on recorded songs that make the songs better. I have a feeling this is a topic they discussed on their show. The problem is, is I can't think of any. So I pulled up a, ten, a list of 10 great songs with mistakes. Uh, one of the ones on there is... Uh, the song "Why Can't We Be Friends" uh-huh. apparently has in the uh, intro solo. There's the, on the eighth chord. This is very specific. He accidentally hits a note that's a half star, half step higher than it's supposed to be. Uh-oh. Uh oh! And then it just resolves it, but it's like it's an obvious mistake. Yeah. And it's they're saying it's something that it could have been fixed really easily, but they just left it in. But I don't know. Is this a thing that you know about? No, I never. I I make so many mistakes when I'm just playing. Like everything I've ever recorded has been a mistake, and I can't say that my music is great because of it. <laughs> yeah, um, Wish you were here. The beginning of Wish You Were Here has like coughing on it, and apparently that was a mistake. But I always thought it was on purpose. I always, yeah. I always. But uh, I guess the story is that. It was uh, it was either done on purpose or it was just that David Gilmore couldn't stop coughing. Isn't there a band where like the wah pedal was squeaking the whole time in the recording? Um, oh, I don't know. It was something like that, or it was like the drum. I think it was the kick drum for like the Who or something like that. And there's a squeak, and once you hear it, you can't unhear it. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Oh, one song. I'll, I'll talk about one song that I've heard about, and I don't think it's a mistake on the record. Um, but it's that uh, a mis- supposed mistake uh, in general is the the Smith song, How Soon Is Now? Mm-hmm. Is that How Soon Is Now? Is that the name of the song? I just feel like at a certain point, in a certain point in history and recording, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you leave something in the recording, it's not a mistake. You heard it right. and you were like, oh, we're leaving that in. And they had they had dozens of things that they could have left in and they made a creative decision like, oh, that's the thing we're going to leave in because it adds something. Like, it's, like I think to, for this to be a valid topic, you have to go back to when the full band was recording in room into you know a big tube that was going down to a phonograph to cut the wax you know <laughs> you can't you can't retake it or something you know i mean sure i, I get what you're saying I, i'll say what okay so, so the one first story i'm saying is apparently excuse me the um the song how soon is now the smiths don't are very rarely played it live and supposedly 
uh, the reason that they that I've heard that they don't play it live is because uh, Johnny Marr had a lot of trouble dialing in the tremolo right on that song. Mm. So it would always be too slow or too fast. So they just stopped doing it live. They needed uh, they needed a tremolo that didn't exist. They needed something That's, with a programmable preset. <laughs> yeah, they need a tap tempo. They need a tappable trim. Yeah. If they would have had a gravitas, the yeah, Smiths could have been the biggest band on the planet. They could have been better than the Cure. Honestly, all they needed was an HX stomp. They just <laughs> just save the preset and never touch right. it. Right. You know. <laughs> um, but that's I mean that's that's like almost a mistake in effect selection. But at the same time, I for me, I think. Um, Remember that's one, that's one of the classic tremolo songs. Oh, I don't I don't know if you were there for this. It was one of the times we went up to a friend's beach house, and our buddy Adam was trying to make a recording there, and we're all hanging out, kind of just like vibing, watching him try to record something. And I went over. I was in the kitchen area, and I just like opened a bag of chips and was watching him record, and I'm like crunching on chips, and slowly everyone's turning around and looking at me. <laughs> just got a big mouthful of crunchy chips while I'm crinkling a bag. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, that song is not famous, whatever he was recording. <laughs> yeah. I think um, he was doing an emergency recording to, uh, to try to put in like an application to work with someone. Like he got an email from someone while he was on vacation. Oh. And he was like, oh, let, let me put together like a demo reel while I'm on vacation. I'll record it with my phone or whatever. <laughs> and it just consumed the whole trip. Um, the song, would you, would you consider the, the accidental distortion on Marty Robbins? Don't worry. Is that uh, is not- that the original country song with the the fuzz on it? The yeah, that's fuzz? the one that the Maestro FZ one is based on. Still, though, like they left it in. They could have stopped recording and fixed the issue. I think it was accidental to discover that sound. It wasn't accidental to leave it in. So maybe that's just me being hung up on my own distinction, like ruining this topic. <laughs> I think you are ruining this topic. I am right? ruining this topic. I'm sorry. I'm a buzzkill right now. Sorry. <laughs> if there, it the mistake left in a recording would be something that, to me, would be that the the engineer, the mixer, whoever was working on it, missed, and mm. like it wasn't caught until, you know, after the fact, like until it went to print. Like, oh shoot, oh man. Yeah, this song is. There's something crazy going on here, and we totally didn't notice it because the 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 studio monitors don't hit that frequency or something like that. Emily know, says, "Elephants Gerald live on a recording messed up the lyrics to his song." Yeah, but it's a live recording. Apparently, they put it on a record and it won or two Grammys. Sure, I mean, if you mess it up and it's on the recording. Then that's the new. That's a new version of it. That's canon. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think maybe I don't have the mentality to properly digest this. <laughs> I'm not in the headspace to uh, play along. I guess. <laughs> oh, I have heard this, and this does like both bug me. But I kind of see it. Kind of like makes the song stick out in my head. Is this drums on just what I needed? Uh huh. They're like. They uh, so like switch 
pattern in the middle of the song, but apparently it's not on purpose. But they just like left it in there. Uh, but it makes it, I don't know, it just like it works in mm. that song. I don't know. <laughs> Did we just run out of steam? <laughs> I guess. I guess you just don't, you just don't want to do this. I don't. I don't have anything else to add to it. Oh, that's weird too. What's weird? So many weird things. Uh, the song "Creep," uh-huh. Radiohead. Apparently, Tom York went out of his way. Like, I guess, like, he did not like the song, and so he, like, went nuts on his guitar during the, like, all of the the chorus, like, guitar noise wasn't supposed to be there. Mm. Tom York just hated the song, (laughs) so he started, like, screwing around while playing the chorus because he was, like, so pissed about the fact that they were recording it. Right, right. And they're like, oh, man, this makes the song so much better. <laughs> I heard recently that... Uh, oh, sorry. It was uh, Johnny Greenwood. I'm reading... I can't okay. read right now. I heard recently that uh, it was on the Your Favorite Band Sucks podcast that... Uh, Why are people making a podcast about us? <laughs> that uh, Steven Tyler is the name of the singer for Aerosmith, right? Uh, um, no, he's the lead singer of the Rolling Stones. Shut up. Uh <laughs> That he on everyone on the, in the chats, yes, it's Johnny Greenwood. Jeez, on, on one of their albums or some of their songs, he was feeling self conscious about his voice, and so he was like doing like a character voice or something like that. And so now oh he's locked gosh. in and he has to do that voice every time he sings those songs or whatever, which is a wild thing. Like, if you're gonna do a character voice, just do it, like, you don't have to be you know insecure about it i guess but now i'm trying to think of aerosmith songs where where he sings he sounds like a muppet or whatever (laughs) i think you're thinking of switchfoot (laughs) have you have you ever heard that before no if you go, go listen to switchfoot songs there's quite a few of them where he's that where I mean, John's a local guy, John Foreman. Yeah, yeah, uh, I've, yeah. I've met him in person. Uh, but he does sing like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> he has this very Kermit voice thing going on in a lot of his songs. You know, yeah, I'm just going to say it. The difference is Kermit usually is in key. <laughs> uh, I like I like where John... Event, you know, the first time I saw Switchfoot, I couldn't believe they even had a had a freaking contract. He was so so off key. Oh, really? So you had like, like a personal is... experience of yeah. having some sort of um, reason. For I think the second out. time I saw them, uh, it was like I was like, okay, like I don't know if he was sick the first time or what. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I've seen, in fact, he... I've seen Switchfoot perform once. I don't remember what it was like. I was just fixated on the. Uh, on the guitar that he had, he had one oh, of those yeah. funky Gibsons with the bolt-on neck. Uh, I was going to say, was it the because he used to, he was playing a Gretsch Beast for a while? No, it wasn't the Gretsch. It was the it was the Gibson. Um, oh, okay. And every other time I've seen him play, it was him like doing his like coffee shop version oh. of himself. Or it was just him playing acoustic guitar and like trying out material and stuff like that. At a, yeah, at a local venue. The uh, he he. When they kind of broke into the national spotlight, he was playing a Gretsch Beast, and everyone was freaking out because it was uh, had a microphonic neck pickup. 
So there was a song where he was just like scream would like scream into the guitar for the song. Maybe it was that. Um, I, for some reason, I thought it was one of those those bolt on neck Gibsons. Yeah, and I and I think the, you know, I think that was the thing is it was the issue with the vocal because it made it onto their they recorded I think around two thousand three two thousand four. They did a uh, live recording at Soma. I don't and remember. I'm looking at the Beast now. I don't remember seeing him play that. I remember the Gibson guitar with the arrowhead stock and the bolt-on neck. But maybe I'm making that up. I mean, it might. He might have at some point. I just I'm saying, Gretsch Beast, man. It's the Beast. Gretsch Beast 1000. <laughs> it was the red one. Let's hit this next ad. Sent to us by Matthew Lloyd. Lloyd. Uh, it's a very Canadian guitar. An acoustic guitar. It's, it was sold. Someone bought this. One of a kind Jortar denim guitar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jortar? Sold. It was listed for free, so of course it's gone. Someone got it. <laughs> I have nothing prepared to say about this. Uh, well, I'll keep you covered. Will it keep you warm? That's good. That's a great question. <laughs> if you relic this, do you start to see skin pop through? <laughs> if this if this is proper denim, I mean, it'll last for decades. Yeah, yeah. Or for me, about two summers before I cut it into shorts. <laughs> Looks like it's already been cut into shorts. Yeah. You know, I, I have a habit of cutting my jeans into shorts, doing the cutoff thing. And every single time I do it, I'm left with you know, a full length of, of pants left over two legs. Yeah. I'm left with two legs and I always feel like it's such a waste to throw it out. I don't know what to do with scrap denim. I've got nothing that I can do with that. You're pretty Me tall, man. You, you could probably, you could take, if you took, if you took all of the jean calves that, uh, that you have cut up over the years that you have removed from pants you could have probably made yourself a jean jacket by now. <laughs> well, if I just stitched them all together, I could have a big, long denim tube. I have no idea why I'd want a denim tube. Like, what is that for? Uh, Todd I, Doyle says he bought the Jortar. He, he bought this? That's what he says. <laughs> oh, well, he can tell us what it's like. Uh, to me, this looks like. Here's what you do with it. The next time you do it, dude, take a, take strips and use them to make. Instead of having like I have the corduroy jacket with uh, leather reinforcement. Mm -hmm. Um. Oh, Todd. Yeah, Todd Doyle says it's his. Not. Yeah. I. I don't. Now, um, Todd, did, did you did you buy it or was it free? Did you acquire it for free? Um. As we wait, uh, you should use those scraps to make reinforced denim patches for your corduroy jacket. You have a? Do you have a corduroy jacket? No. In my brain, you do. Well, I used oh. I used to. I think it's gone now because it just hit the point of no return. I wish I had a corduroy jacket still. Um, I haven't worn mine. Functionally, I, I don't think I wore mine last year. Uh, oh, Todd said he's trading him some stuff. Uh, he's doing a trading game. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I want to know, uh, 
it's Todd, you can fill us in and let us know what this guitar is like. I want to know functionally what this feels like to have a guitar wrapped in fabric. It may, it makes me think of the guitars that like Elvis would play that had the full like leather wrap all the way around it. And I always assumed like that would kind of strangle the sound of the guitar to prevent stage feedback or something. And I wonder if this kills off a lot of frequencies and mutes it in a way. Or if it's if it's just fine. Like, what if it's just fine? Like, it still sounds like an acoustic guitar. It probably does. I well, no, I would I would think it probably mutes it somewhat. It's got it, a dead in it a little bit. You're, it's dependent on the the top of the guitar, you know, being able to vibrate and resonate to move the air inside. If you've got a bunch of glue and then denim on top of it, you're definitely killing the vibration of, of the soundboard on the top and then everything on the sides is going to be muted too. But this, that's not as critical, I think to the guitar. Oh, Todd says, I don't have it yet. I thought it was hysterical and made arrangements for Saturday, the 12th. That's cool. Well, you'll, you'll have to keep us updated. Yeah. Let us know. Um, what kind of jeans are these? Do you think, uh, <laughs> do you think the kind of jeans you use? I'm getting a strong Wrangler vibe. I mean, I don't, I don't see a patch anywhere. There's definitely like there's one piece of dark jean in this that doesn't really fit in. Mm-hmm. The rest of it, I'm kind of disappointed in that. Yeah, you'd think that you'd think that you'd see some sort of design on that back pocket. That's on. There's one on the front and there's one on the back. It, they do seem to be, you know, ambiguously branded denim pieces. Like I'm not seeing any Levi's rivets on here. I'm not seeing any pocket designs that give it away. Yeah, there's no PRS pocket design on this. <laughs> Freaking over embroidered right, like butt, butt patch. Giant embroidered dragon across the front of it or something. <laughs> it's airbrushed tiger. Yeah. What do you wear when you play this guitar? Is, is it like, um, do you lean into it and just double, triple up the denim? Or do you like, ah, I can't wear any denim when I play this. this too Dude, much. no. Uh, you know what a Canadian tuxedo oh, is? Oh, I know what a Canadian tuxedo is. This this makes that Canadian tuxedo a three-piece. <laughs> it's an accessory for the Canadian tuxedo. Yeah. You go denim on denim with denim. The thing I just noticed is that this is a classical guitar. It's a nylon string. So that might even mute it even more. Yeah. Because the steel strings carry a bit, I I think it's just a bit more energy to them to power through and make a louder sound. I have a feeling this thing's going to be dead quiet. Because it, like a classical guitar is, is so dependent on it's uh, on a thin top to make it, you know, have any sort of volume at all. You weigh it down with a bunch of just a bunch of denim on there. <laughs> what kind of this band are you in when you play this thing? <laughs> um, you are either in a uh, in like an obvious Billy Ray Cyrus cover band, or that's what I was going to say. You are in a Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears cover band. <laughs> I feel like we should should Photoshop this into that photo. <laughs> and it's going to be May playing this guitar. <laughs> oh, man, what a wild time. Did we know how ugly everything was in the early 2000s 
in the late 90s. Were we just okay with it? Man, things were ugly back then. Maybe things are ugly now and we don't know it. Um, do we want to tackle the topic or do we do a sponsor first? What I want to know is did did like how did not everybody know that Justin Timberlake looked ridiculous in a freaking denim fedora? <laughs> Dude, it was like it was like 2000 or 1999 or something stupid like that. No one had any taste. No one knew what they were doing. The the late 90s, early 2000s were like the late 70s of our generation <laughs> where every <laughs> everything was ugly, nothing made sense. <laughs> and we look back at it all and cringe. There was no style to anything. Man. So what, what do you say? What was it? What were you wearing in 1999, Ryan? I was wearing uh, baggy, baggy pants or black, baggy shorts, and I was probably wearing a zip-up, like bowling shirt with the racing stripes down the front, <laughs> or I was wearing Dang, like like man. no fear shirts or something. I don't know. <laughs> I never wore a fedora, though. I'll say that. I never wore a fedora. Yeah, I don't think I ever wore a fedora either. As much as I wanted to, did you ever have a chain? Did you ever have a chain wallet, Steve? I did not have a wallet chain. <laughs> the fact that you call it a wallet chain confirms that you did not. I did wear a wallet chain. I really wanted one when I turned twenty-eight, just so I could, because uh, there's a Five Iron Frenzy song uh-huh. uh, where called uh, "Not Not Like All the Other Old Guys." Yeah, and uh, it's he says. Uh, or no, I guess he says I'm 29 years old, still wearing a wallet chain like I was 28. Uh, and then he says I've got a degree in science, science, but I'm still raising my fist in defiance. And I was like, that that could work for me. But oh no, I was no, I don't understand wallet chains. Also, I don't keep my wallet in my back pocket, so it doesn't yeah, really Steve make sense. Yeah, Steve walks around with his wallet in his hands, held out in front of him like this. Yeah. Uh, it well, was I'm a, super. I'm actually I'm super rich. I don't even carry a wallet. I just hold out. I just hold my hand out front like this. Fistful of hundreds, and if one falls on the ground, I don't stop to pick it up. I ain't got time for that. <laughs> my, I will say my wallet chain was a gift. I did not buy it. I didn't seek it out and buy it for myself. I probably would have eventually bought one for myself. I think that's pronounced. I think that's pronounced gift. <laughs> uh, my grandma bought it for me from, from what? the van store. It was a van's branded wallet with included wallet chain. All my friends were starting to wear wallet chains, and also, you know, you've heard the comedy bit. Uh, I think it was John Mulaney who said that, you know, growing up, he thought that uh, that quicksand was going to be a bigger problem. Well, yeah. when I was a kid, I was convinced that pickpocketing was going to be a bigger problem. Like I was convinced. Is that, what, like, is that what wallet chains are for? There was a there's an army of pickpocketers out there just waiting to steal, you know, a 13 year old's like wallet out of his pocket to acquire the unknown riches of dozens of crumple up single dollar bills that were inside my wallet at any given point. Um, and I was like, Oh man, I got to have this wallet chain. So if anyone tries to steal my wallet, uh, it's, it's still attached to my body. You can't take it. <laughs> and eventually I realized how impractical it was. And I just took it off because you can take them off. Good news. You don't have to keep a chain on your wallet. So um, there's that. I don't know, man, my wallet doesn't fall out of my pocket. I've never once had someone try to pickpocket me. I've never once been like, man, if only I had a wallet chain right now. It's never been something I missed in I guess like maybe if you years. needed a weapon. You need a weapon? Yeah, yeah. You just take your wallet out of your pocket, <laughs> hold it by the chain. 
you got a, well, like one of those bolo things. You could wrap it around someone's ankles as they run away from you. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, if you, I watched Mighty Ducks two the other day, so maybe use your wallet chain when uh, like a, a villain ice skater is chasing after your girl. <laughs> use a wallet chain to lasso him. <laughs> if they ever re- if they ever reboot Austin Powers. There can be, you know, a scene where an assassin from the 90s shows up and just <laughs> and like kills people by strangling them with a wallet chain. And it's like the, a skater guy with a fedora Jeez. and stuff. All right. Todd Doyle says, hey, 60 Cycle Hum, I've really been binging videos the past few days. It blew my mind to see the Jortar on the thumbnail. What are the chances? Much love. It is pretty wild because he's not the one who suggested it to us. Someone else suggested it yeah. to us in the Facebook group. And for him to be sitting here watching it and to have it pop up on his feed is, is quite a coincidence. So it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, so what do you say, Steve? Ad or sponsor? Sponsor. There's no ad, man. This That was the ad. Uh, this week's next oh, yeah, sponsor right. is uh, Big Ear Pedals. I don't think Grant... Big- or Karen know about this. Uh, someone no, commented. No, we talked about it. Uh, at the very end of the live stream last week, they're like, hey, I mean, Grant, give you guys so much support. He should be a sponsor. I'm like, yeah, we should listen as a sponsor. So anyways, uh, I think we're going to just, like, Grant has been so generous with us. Um, just, just sending us so much stuff, being such a supportive guy of the show for so long now. Uh, I think we're going to leave bigger pedals listed as a sponsor uh, for the indefinite future, maybe until we fill out with, you know, other paying sponsors. But I mean, Grant has sent us guitars. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's hired me to do pedal demos and stuff like that. He's, he sent us $420 to get high on the podcast. You know, we love you, Grant. But anyways, bigger pedals. Um, I don't know if Grant is okay with me doing this. It's not like it's a secret that this has been in development, but it is launching Monday. Yalby. And I did film my demo today. I've heard from multiple sources that it's really cool. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so keep an eye out Monday. There's going to be, uh, it's not going to be a walrus style launch with 40,000 channels, but I know there's going to be a couple channels launching, uh, launching videos of this. Maybe two. I know for at least two. <laughs> Grant says it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Durr. Okay. <laughs> Usually people launch on Monday. I prefer the Tuesday. It gives me more time to prepare. Don't yeah. move it to Monday. Um, so look out Tuesday. I'm messing up all my details today. This is embarrassing. But look at this thing. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. I want you to have mystery. I want you to wonder what's going on here. Um, tune in Tuesday to see what's going on with the Albi from from Bigger Pedals. Or, yeah, go uh, check out BigEarPedals.com to see the rest of their lineup. They have uh, three, four pedals, I think. Because uh, two of them are the same. One is just black and the other one's white. Uh, but they have the loaf, which is a mid-gain fuzz, which is really interesting. Uh, it's a lot. The loaf is a ton oh, of fun. Oh, you mean the like wo- this one? Just like that one. <laughs> they've got a, They've got the woodcutter, which you don't have a woodcutter, do you? I don't. You've got a woodcutter. Sucka. I got a woodcutter. It's a freaking sick rat-style distortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the L reverb, which is mm. a freaking always-on reverb for me. Uh, and then the Black Betty Fuzz, which I don't know a lot about. Or the th- Betty I, White Fuzz, which I think is the same thing. I think you'll want to get into this thing, Steve. I think you'll be hot on the Albi. I think I will be hot on the Albi. I think maybe I already bought one. <laughs> well, there you go. I think you're going to love it. 
I think you're going to love the uh, the Albi. All right, so anyways, huge thanks to Big Ear. Huge thanks to Grant. Huge thanks to Karen. Uh, and look for that video on Tuesday, bright and early, or I think it goes live noon, Central Standard Time, something like that. Yep. So I think that's 10 o'clock here, something like that. Uh, yep. All right, so next uh, topic... You ready for this, man? Here we go. William I su- Eyelash. I suggested this uh, album. Sla- I'll call this a. I won't call this an artist review. I sent you a single track. Yeah, a music and I video. Sent you, uh, the album. So I sent you. Uh, did Did you listen to both of them? I did. I listened to everything that you sent. Okay, so I sent you Ocean Eyes, which was like I think her first single. Oh, really. Um, yeah, that was her first single from five, Jesus five years ago. Wow. Uh, from November 2015. And then I sent you the uh, album, uh, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? Uh, which um, came out originally in 2018, I think. Or maybe maybe the singles started coming out in 2018. And then the song, the albums came out in 2019. Um. So yeah, what'd you think? Well, what, Steve? I want to know. Do you think I liked this, or do you think I didn't like it? Oh man, I feel like anytime you ask me this, I'm supposed to say that I think you didn't like it. <laughs> which the, I I am the Sicilian. I'm going to get poisoned, and it turns out Ryan has just built up uh, a, an immunity to iocane powder. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say you. Did like it? I did like it. In fact, I thought this was an excellent album. And I, 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 you know, I, I've every time I've heard Billie Eilish pop up on the radio or in movie soundtracks or whatever, I've been into it. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot here. There's a lot that I like about the whole thing on this album. I'm assuming the themes carry over to everything else that she's recorded. Um, yeah, I, I was taking notes. I was I had a great time with this album. I thought it, I thought it was wonderful. Cool, I thought it was man. an excellent cool. album. I said yeah, excellent I really, album at I the really end. I really like this one. Um her album before this one uh I don't know if it's considered a full album, but um Don't Smile at Me, I guess it's a full album. Mm-hmm. Is uh is really good. And you know, people there's a lot of aggression, I guess. I don't know. People get really uppity about Billie Eilish. I understand, like, the whisper singing isn't for everyone. Sure. Um, but it's funny for people to get so aggro. The way people... Just... I mean, we saw recently people reacting, like, knee-jerk reacting to her because Fender came out with a uh, a, a ukulele for her. With yeah. With her graphics on it and whatnot. And it's an affordable ukulele and there's money going to a charity, blah, 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 all that stuff. But the, the knee-jerk reaction to it from from certain people, I just can't understand because they were reacting like they were re- reacting like it was like, like she's a Britney Spears type character. Like this is a right. somewhat manufactured pop star. And you listen to this, to this album. And that's not what I'm hearing, man. I'm, I'm yeah. hearing like something that could have very well just been an indie album, but somehow mm-hmm. has become a popular album. It's, it's pop in the sense that it's popular, but there's nothing pop about any of this. Yeah. It, it, uh, this this album is very famously recorded in her brother's bedroom. Right. Well, I've, 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 a big note I have for this, um, 
anytime I've recorded a song on my own, like for Christmas friends, uh, compilations yeah, yeah. that we did or, or some little project or something like that. Every time I've recorded a non band song where I'm sitting there, like working out the parts myself and, you know, coming up with a written song, I always think like, Oh man, I'm just going to you know, have a ton of guitar on this. I'm just going to like busy it up and it's going to have all the stuff going on. And I always end up stripping it back to just bare minimum mm-hmm. and really not having a ton of guitar. And I feel like, this travels in that mentality where it's like at a certain point you have to sacrifice the thing you love doing <laughs> deedly deedly dealing to make right. a song that's listenable um, and, and has its own impact. And I feel like these are so minimalist. It's such a clean mm. white space approach to making songs where it's like, yeah. there's, there's nothing extra. Everything that's in there carries the song through and and it's there's no fluff, there's no fat to trim. It is it is a very sleek, very hyper managed sort of feeling sound, and it's very effective. The, these songs are very effective, I think. Yeah, one of the things that's interesting, and Grant just called it out in the chat, is there's a video. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, I think Rolling Stone magazine uh, did it, where they basically they asked about the making of the song "Bad Guy." Mm-hmm. And so that's do 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 duh right. Right. So in that song, there are like seventeen takes on the word duh. Mm-hmm. Like literally, like even the duh that's in the recording is just like layer upon layer upon layer of just this one word with a bunch of different accents on it. And so there is like just a ton of a very like meticulous approach. Right. Um, and I think this is one of the things too. It's like that again because it's pop. There's an assumption that is it you know, like you said, is I mean, I, what's popular, pop? I guess it, I listened to this. I I kept going through the tracks as as is playing as like you you tr- change this around a little bit. This is a nine inch snail song. You change this right. around a little bit. That's fair. This is a no doubt song. You change I mean, this around. It, I mean, it, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, what's it? Um, you should see me in a crown. Basically, is a nine inch nail song. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's also probably my least favorite song on the album, but I, mean, I like that one. It's just not, it's just a thing, you know, it's, it's whatever. Okay. So I wrote um, down uh track two. really love the hard chop tremolo on the vocal that syncs with the bass. Were you hearing that? Yeah. I, that hell. was one thing I wanted to get your take on because it's like, Oh dude, this has your, your go-to effect on you. No, that was, that was wild. Like I, I started it, it and it like blends in. I started to hear it and it's like, okay, there's like a hard chop on the voice, but it's, it blends in and out with this bass sound, this synthy bass sound that's coming yeah. in behind her. Um, so it's like an effect on her voice. It's not on the bass sound, but it's being brought in at the exact same point as that bass sound and it was just such a trippy sound like really right. creative production right there and it's like man that's it's it, it i i gotta find my note here um where i kind of summed up my feelings about all this the balance between beautiful and grotesque on this album is pretty brilliant like it right. it's it there's so many moments where like man this is just a pretty sounding song there's just pretty sounding things happening and then just the most disjointed, like out there, like you know, I dare you to try to listen to this stuff is happening. And it's all creative. And it's all very musical. And it's all very like there's experimental things happening here, like weirdo '90s 
alternative, we don't want to be on the radio type stuff. I don't think right. this is a pop album at all. I think this is like this is like a nineties, you know, butthole surfers ween like uh sort of freaked out sort of album. I hear a lot of nineties in this. Right. That's that's fair. I, I, I kind of think of this album and her sound in general as kind of a uh, a mix between um, like bedroom pop, kind of the bedroom pop scene. That's like a, mm-hmm. the Phoebe Bridgers, Julian Baker, like that kind of thing going on. Um, and this kind of like super like cinematic. I, would yeah. call, I guess there's a scene now. I, I don't know how long it's been around, but it's like called um, like cinema pop. It's basically people who are making uh TV show intro like TV show intro songs. <laughs> that's fun. <laughs> so it's just that, but it's like just that big epic lush reverb sound. Yeah, yeah. That's very like it's very spacey and it's where it's like a cross between like explosions in the sky and pop music. Yeah. And so you have these like moments where it's like again like she's kind of known as this whisper singer and I think that's kind of some of that bedroom pop, uh, SoundCloud pop, uh, sound. Here's um, the thing, like, yeah, she whispers a lot. When when I think of people that are whisper singers that I've seen perform live and stuff where it bothers me, it's because I, I'm under the impression that they that's that's their only thing they can do. They don't have oh, any yeah. range outside of that. I the impression I get from this album is that it's a creative choice and she goes in between yeah. the whisper thing and you know other other ways of vocalizing and it's to me it sounds like a full creative choice cuz she, she's definitely uh, singing at places it's not just someone who's whispering cuz they're timid you know i don't i'm not I, getting I've, timid i've i've read that basically that's her it's not a whisper it just sounds like a whisper oh, that okay. that's like a full strength vocal and it's actually something that a lot of like professional vocal coaches are going nuts over right now because all of these like 14 year olds are coming in and saying like, teach me to sing like this. And they're like, we don't know. We don't know how to do this <laughs> because it sounds like a whisper. But right. when you see her live, she's like, like when you watch a live video, she's not whispering. Right. She's singing. She just has like this extreme airiness yeah. in her voice. Um, so it's, it's kind of, it's just kind of nuts. Uh, what did you think of the song "My Strange Addiction"? Uh, which one was that? I don't think I don't think it's I had a note on it. The song that basically is interspliced with clips of the Office episode "Threat Level Midnight." I don't think I caught that. <laughs> it's the one that starts. Uh, it starts. Uh, Billy, you know I haven't done that dance in years. I guess I didn't connect that that was from The Office, but that's, that's yeah. Fun. So th- th- there's a whole thing where I guess she watches The Office um, on tour, like when she's getting, like when she gets up in the morning, and she's doing her normal. You know, everyone has their routine when they wake up and they are taking a dump and do, washing their face and whatever. Yeah. So I guess she apparently she watches The Office while that, and she said in an interview that she's like watched through The Office like 16 times. Jeez Louise. Uh, so it became like a double on, a double entendre of uh, My Strange Addiction being the MTV show about people who eat their own hair. Uh, and Her Strange Addiction, of course, being an office fanatic. Yeah. 
Um, so, which is a weird thing for a person who's never worked in an office to be an office fanatic. But well, I've watched all kinds of shows about people doing jobs that I never did. I mean, yeah, I mean, I just watched all of the Avengers films, and I've never been a superhero. <laughs> That's why I don't watch the Avengers because I leave work at work. You know. <laughs> Jeez, man. I almost lost my beer on that one. Uh, here's here's something I want to discuss. Uh, she's yeah. she's young. Mm-hmm. She's successful. A lot of people yeah. really like her. Um, I think you've you, she's set up for the whole Hanson sort of uh, Bieber trajectory where mm-hmm. her fandom her fandom will grow up with her. Where, yeah. where do you want to see her career go as far as like the kind of music she's making and the kind of stuff she does in the next decade or so. Man, I don't, I don't know that that's, it's hard. Um, excuse me. And I, and I think that's part of the, the intrigue. I, I kind of actually feel like a lot of her popularity is based on intrigue. One, because even though her music actually in this album covers a lot of like, really dark yeah um i don't know uh topics i mean literally like there's a song that's like you know talking about like i want to end me and she's been very open again in interviews about mental health struggles and whatnot yeah um but um i honestly i think the fact that she res part of the reason she's a let so many uh, parents are just like you let it happen is because she's so unassuming and because we so very rarely uh, have a female pop artist, a woman pop artist. Now, I, she's an adult now. I guess you can say woman. Sure. Can you say woman for children? That sounds weird. That feels weird for minors. Are minors also women? A young woman? I don't know. Um, I think that women should be allowed to mine if they want to. Um, but just that, but you know, the whole, she said in interviews that the whole choice to wear baggy pants and baggy shirts and whatever all the time is very intentional. And she said, it's basically, you know, people will, no matter what you're wearing, people will always speculate about your body with, with women in this industry. And so she's like, at least when they're speculating, they don't actually know because I'm just wearing this and it's a comfortable choice. And so I, I think it's. It's an interesting position where, you know, I, if she stays with that, then it's like, I think she, maybe she ends up on a Lord kind of attraction. I mean, I, I know people already kind of see her because Lord, when Lord's Pure Heroine came out, I think Lord was only like 16. Right, right. Uh, when that album came out. Um, and of course, she's kind of, uh, Lord's been out of the spotlight for a few years. Melodrama was a really good album. Mm-hmm. Pure Heroine was a good album. I uh, actually listened to both of those last week. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I think she sits in this space where she does have an appeal to an, an older crowd as well. Like she I, appeals I, to a younger crowd because she's young, but she appeals to an older crowd because her music just comes across as very real and not manufactured. Right. I, I guess what I was getting at more is like what kind of, like what kind of projects do you want to see her working on in the future? Like I would, I would, I mean, this, this 
it was Adele that did like a, a James Bond intro. Like I, I think like she already did. Billie Eilish already did a James Bond intro. Yeah, but I, I'm but I'm saying like moving that direction <laughs> and doing uh, like cinema work, doing writing. Like I was listening to these mm. songs as like, yeah, they, these could have been songs for other bands and no one would have blinked an eye. No, like not knowing that it was Billie Eilish behind them. Like I, I think that she might have songwriting potential behind her as far as being like a hit factory or something like that, or helping you know behind like working behind the scenes to make you know more Billie Eilish's <laughs> sort of thing. Mm. Uh, if she really is the one writing these songs, I know her brother is on the on the instrumentation side, but you know, yeah, it, from what I understand, she has a big creative part in what's going on here, uh, and she's bringing a lot to this. You know, the, yeah. the, the, what you hear from this person in the recordings, like, that's not something someone tells someone to do. Like, that's some, those are creative decisions that, that the performer makes. Um, I'd also yeah, kind of like to... I was just say, um, she, so she's on the James Bond movie that co- is supposed to come out later this year. Okay. Um, I think the biggest thing is, is and the position that she's in, and it seems like her her mother was, I guess, is, is an actress... Okay. Um, and so she's kind of, and her brother's been in the business for a long time. Her, her brother just put out a single I saw the other day. Um, that's that's decent. Also, he looks like Paul Landerberg, or or he looks like Daniel, your brother, according okay. to my wife. Um, like a ginger version of your brother. Yeah, you're referencing that people too. that that our audience don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, well, all the all the P Dubs people who listen to this show know who Paul Landerberg is. Maybe. Um, but um you know i i think my biggest thing is i i want to feel like in 5 years that billy eilish is still putting out the music that billy eilish wants to put out sure that it doesn't feel controlled it doesn't feel manufactured i you know i would almost like this is a weird thing i guess um i kind of want her to be in at you know 22 where taylor swift is now in terms of like when i hear taylor swift music i feel like she's making the music that she wants to make but the thing is is taylor swift had to wait until she got like so big everyone hated her here's what i want (laughs) to get to do to do that here's here's my look into the future for what i want to experience from Billie eilish i want to be sitting on the couch someday when i'm very old and I want to see her as a full-grown, so tomorrow. full-grown adult woman on PBS doing, like, an acoustic, like, small venue show with, like, a three-string string quartet and, like, a harp. <laughs> and then, like, someone with, like, a drum sample pad there. Like, like doing her best of on a, right. very, on a very polite and easy-to-digest PBS program that... Aging adults like me can enjoy right. in She's thirty years sitting, sitting down with Terry Gross. Right, right, uh, and like in the middle of it, there's uh, <laughs> there's like a pledge drive or something like that, and she's the one delivering the pledge drive. Yeah, and, and I think that's like, and I think that's like the crazy thing about all of this um, is to me is thinking about this in the context of like again, this is like an eighteen year old. Yeah. She's got a, like, if she wants, she's got a long career ahead of her. If she can maintain this level of creativity, if she can maintain uh, her fandom, like 
I, I guess what I'm saying is I hope that she's at this for a long time because I like what she's doing and I hope she keeps exploring that, you know? Yeah. All right. I don't have anything else up on this. We love Billie Eilish, guys. I don't know what yeah. to tell you. I, mean, I think anyone who's, you know, in the guitar verse, you know, on the Internet who is knee jerk reacting, reacting to her like she's some manufactured bubblegum pop star or something like that has no clue. No I'll say clue. this. I'll, I'll say this. You know, one of the one of the things I, I probably, I mean, we're three hundred and forty four episodes in. Uh-huh. I'm sure I've said this before. Um, to me, the hallmark of a great song is can I play this at half in like halftime on an acoustic? Mm. Her songs, I'm not. I don't. Not going to play them at halftime because a lot of them are already slow. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, but you know they they translate like. All of the digital computery stuff that they do, you take all of that away, you still have a great song. No, it's all it's no all those sounds, everything that sounds like you know, it's all computer beeps and boops and stuff like that. Those are that's just the palette that that generation works with. That's what's in their music. You could replace all of it with instrumentation. You could replace yeah. those big heavy bass sounds with a stand-up bass through a reverb. You know, you could you could do all those sounds with real instruments, but that's not the palette that that generation uh, was handed. You know, they're they're working with the sounds that are familiar to them and mean things to them. So I have no problem yeah. with the instrumentation on that album. I th- I you know, I, like I said, I compared it to Nine Inch Nails. Like there's a lot, yeah, there's there a go. lot of '90s influence floating around in that album. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was great. All right. Last ad, uh, or do you want to do housekeeping? Uh, yeah, this week on, uh, housekeeping is the time of the show. As I take a note, um, <laughs> where we thank our sponsors, I don't know, our sponsors, our patrons. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can head on over to patreon.com slash 60 cycle humcast. Or for as little as $1, which is what Paul Hogue is now sending us is $1 a month. Thanks, Paul Hogue. Um, so thank you, Paul. Um, uh, you can support the show. And, you know, $1 is not, a, not necessarily a lot. Maybe it's a lot for you. I don't know. It's $12 a year. Um, for $5, I mean, that's a cop of, cop, cop of coffee. A cop of coffee a month. Hey, for a dollar. Uh, a cup of coffee a month. For a dollar, you could go to the pet store. And you could buy three goldfish. Those are three living things. Have you shopped for goldfish lately? I've got a pond full of goldfish. I'm talking I, about the feed, more... I'm talking about the feeder fish that you feed to snakes. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, at the five dollar level, I'll send you a little bag of goods. The ten dollar level, I'll send you a bag of goods with some exclusive swag in there, and you'll get um, added to the secret inner circle group that no one knows about. Yep. And if you can't send anything, that's fine, too. I will tell you that we are basically down to the end of our song submissions for the audio format at the end of every episode. Uh, we play a song, and we are almost out. So if you want to send us a song, you can send that to 60cyclehumcast at gmail.com. It's another way to support the show. Uh, so whether it's on Patreon or just from hanging out, uh, leaving a comment, thumbs up in a video, whatever, make a review on iTunes. We appreciate all the way. All the ways, all the ways that uh, you guys uh, support us. So, but mostly just go over to Patreon.com/slash/60cyclehumcast and sign up at the ten dollar level or the five dollar level, 
or the $40 level. Or the $420 level. All right. The $69 level. (laughs) This was sent to us by Roman Ham. This is a 1970s Fender Stratocaster neck. Is it? Whatever. On a 60s Mustang (laughs) body. This is a Frankenstein guitar. Uh, neck is an early 1970s Fender Stratocaster. It has been altered. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, the body is from the 1960s Fender's Mustang, we think. Uh, body has been trimmed down, specialized for some, for someone. Yeah, some idiot. Uh, the body, oh, uh, pickups are Seymour Duncan. Some of the vintage parts are original. I call her Peanut. Why is it got a? Why is this guitar got to be a woman? Why would you call a woman peanut? I don't see any, any genitals sense. on it. I mean, this is a well-worn trope on this show over the years. Is poor Mustangs? They've just been abused. I don't know if this is even functional. With a strap Poo, neck on it. Hold on. Poon Ninja in the chat says $8,000 Patreon level. Ryan Manscapes with fire. I don't know, man. $8,000 Patreon level. Do you like, I know when we did the Manscaped uh, sponsor spot, you didn't Manscape at all. So, I mean, we got to get to that first level. <laughs> $8,000, I will burn all the hair off my body with fire. For Please eight, don't. For $8,000, I have time to heal. <laughs> Grant's going to take you up on that. I'm gonna, and I, and he, but it, the stipulation is going to be that I have to light you on fire. Here's the, here's the thing. like I don't actually have to be on fire like a stunt person. Like You can burn off hair really quickly with just a little bit of heat. All right. So, all right. Yeah, I'm not worried. Uh, getting back to this, this is, this is awful. I hate yeah, this, all of this. This is a terrible mangle of what would be a classic instrument. Now, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Um, wow. I'm allergic to this guitar. Um, no kidding. $700, man. I wonder if it, you can even intonate this with a strat neck on a Mustang body. I don't. Oh, I didn't think about that. The, the bridge doesn't look like it's been moved at all. No, there's no way you can intonate this. This is a 25 and a half scale, 25 and a half inch scale neck on a 24 inch scale bridge. There's yeah. no way this is intonated. Yeah, it's not intonated at all. Like you, you have a you have a um, a jag, right? Yeah. So you know how little play there is on this bridge. Oh no, you can't. You can't. Yeah. yeah. These aren't original pickups, so you can't even justify the seven hundred dollar price with a with that. Also, this is a uh, I think a hot rail, not a hot rails, a little fifty nine. Oh my gosh, I'm doing this from memory. <laughs> I think this is a little fifty nine with a duck bucker. Ooh, I don't know. Good guess though. Um it's so I'm pretty sure that's a little fifty nine. Um and it, yeah, I think I think that's a duck bucker. Unless they I mean maybe they have another pickup with that configuration, but um It looks like we got a yeah. loose grounding wire here. It looks like Yeah, they tied the ground wire around the screw. What of the bridge underneath the jack plate there because they it wasn't grounded and so that was their quick fix. So like yeah, come on. Yeah, that's I hate I that's hate this. sloppy. For I all the stuff for this. all the stuff that was done to this guitar, they couldn't fix that one thing. <laughs> when you had oh, when you were man. putting the pickups in there, you didn't want to you didn't want to fix the ground wire. I mean, come on. 
I'll say on. one nice thing. The 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 stain on the body looks good. That's but that's kind of a negative because it's like they ruined a guitar that could have looked hot. Yeah. This guitar could have looked so um, hot. Even if you if they had not cut the top horn off of this thing, it would have been such a hot Mustang. You could have yeah. still you could have taken that neck off and found a proper neck for it, and man, it would just be a hot piece of property. Here's the problem. I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> here's the problem. There's a hundred problems. Right. Um, <laughs> that was like a big problem, Steve. <laughs> I was trying to find a vintage Mustang, but the word vintage is thrown around so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm pretty sure in. you could get like an era. I mean, okay, here's a 1996, 1966 vintage for like 4K. So I, I guess Mustang. But here's a Dakota Red for 2100. Yeah. So I mean, you, you can get these under 2K. You're so, gonna, you're gonna. And this mangled state, like this, this Mustang body is not worth anything. Nothing on here is. I guess it has the vintage style tuner. Cool. Um, it has the bridge. Assembly. It has the fender plate and it has the bridge, but you're not going to like flip any of those things. My guess is that fender neck plate is not original. Uh, you don't think so? Why not? No, it is, you think it just looks too clean? It looks too clean. I hate this. I just, I, as much as I like wanted to crap on your freaking love of that Epiphone, legitimately like, all right, here's the deal. $700. Let me find this on Reverb. Where is this? I'm going to buy this right now. No, don't. I'm not going to buy this right now. <laughs> Jeez, let me... I am going to talk you out of that, sir. <laughs> what is this? What is the listing for this, though? I, I just want to know. Yeah, that neck plate does not look 60s to me at all. I don't know if they you were... think it's... I don't know if they were doing the F in in the neck plate then. They were definitely doing it in the 70s. Um, but it just doesn't look old enough, especially considering everything that was done to this body... My here's my guess. This mangling was done in the 70s. Oh the, yeah, or probably. the 80s. It happened a lot to Mustangs. People bought Mustangs because they were cheap pawn shop guitars at the time, but they didn't fit the style of the time, and so people got creative with hand saws trying to make them more psychedelic <laughs> or more weird or trying to they were just doing experiments because they got this guitar for no money at the pawn shop down the street. And so it was it, to them it was no consequence. This the same way I could grab a bullet Mustang now and cut oh, it yeah. and cut it yeah. in half and no one For would sure. really care. Uh, it was <clears> the same sort of mentality towards these guitars. And so eventually these things get stuck in a closet and then someone sees on eBay, "Oh, Mustangs go for a lot of money now. I've got one of those." Oh yeah, I ruined it <laughs> or grandpa ruined it or whatever. This thing yeah. someone ruined it. At some point, someone tried to rescue it. That's where these pickups come in. That's where yeah. uh, the the neck comes in. You know, various things were added to this. No, no, no. I think the neck happened back then. Back then. Well, I think it's an older modification. I think the pickups are a new modification, obviously. Um, I don't remember where I was going with this. But... I just, look, look at the headstock. I just realized one of the tuners is like hanging off the edge. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's bad. <laughs> It's bad. <laughs> the, but the neck is junk now because someone defiled it. it. You might be able to find someone who wants 
the neck for its playability. But the the body's junk now. I mean, a luthier could rescue it in a creative way, but you're you're doing it just to rescue a hunk of 1960s wood that will not have. Oh no, 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 no! Oh my gosh, this is in a store in Colorado called Broken String Guitars. Uh huh. In this store, there is a 1958 Gibson Melody Maker yeah. P90. So it's a 1958 Les Paul Jr. body with a neck from a 1963 Gibson Melody Maker stripped with a Lawler P90. They want $1,200. Like, where is this guy finding this stuff? Is he doing this on purpose? Man, I don't know. Is he just buying parts and, like, saying, like, restoring things? The Les Paul, the Melody Maker neck is screwed into the Les Paul body. Oof. Oof. Well, anyways, final thoughts on this thing. I personally, I wouldn't personally pay more than 400 bucks for this. And even that, I'm like, why am I saying that? I don't want any part of this for 400 bucks. But like, if you're... I don't know. Maybe you Here, see something in this. Here's where the here's maybe where you the think is. maybe you're a luthier and you think you can you can rescue this somehow and have something with you, where you can say, "Oh, this was so bad and I rescued it." But man, it's seven hundred bucks. There's no way. There's no way. Four hundred dollars, maybe seven. The only way this works is if you have a concept in mind. For this, you don't buy this guitar because you're like, I want a vintage Mustang. Yeah. You don't buy this guitar because you want to be like these parts. Well, no, they, I would say these parts are like cool, except again, 25 and a half inch scale neck paired with a 24 inch body with at least no apparent modification. You can't just move a Mustang bridge. All of the friggin' spring routes are underneath. No, if I bought this, I would be swapping a Mustang neck onto it of some year. And even th- that feels like too much work. It feels too much work to rescue this because it, by the time I'm done spending money on that, I should have just bought a Mustang that's not ruined. This know? is, this is, I can't, I can't even think of that because my thought was like, okay, here's what you want. If you want a guitar that will never intonate, but you've got some like weird ass concept, like you're making like, psychedelic mountain music. So you're covering... This is a perfect uh, guitar for a weirdo. If you're a weirdo, sure. Make them an offer. But please don't pay $700. Trade trade your moonshine for this and be a mountain weirdo with a guitar that can't play in tune past the second fret. This is like, okay, here's here's what you are. This is a strong case for a fretless. It's 20... Yeah, there you go. It's 2020... (laughs) It's 2020. You are a hipster AF. You are so hipster. Beard, tats, whatever, the whole nine yards. But you're like me. You're raised on uh, late 80s, early 90s country music. You're in a hipster version of an Alabama cover band. So Wilco meets John Denver. This is the guitar for you. All right. All right. Tell us about the song, Steve, and we'll hang out 
in the chat with the YouTubers. For this about half an uh, hour. this week's song was sent by Arturo Rojas. He says, "Hello, Ryan. Oh, I, I guess I'm not cool enough. That's whatever. Big Hello, fan Steve. here. Loving your reviews for a while now, and really dig your airline acts. Your spring tank comparison helped me decide which spring tank to use when recording." Our band's first EP, I kept the stock Accutronics tank on my Fender Reverb Unit clone. The tank really speaks bright and vintage to my ears. I'm the guitarist, by the way. Talking about an EP, would you give it a listen? He actually submitted two songs, so I'm actually going to keep this in rotation if we don't sure. get any more. Sure. Uh, and possibly feature one of them or both on the podcast. Almost forgot we're in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, so he's definitely wearing a can- Canadian tuxedo. Uh, <laughs> So you'll find Beach Bum Beach Bum's lyrics quite humorous. A bit on each tune. Uh, Beach Bum is Beach Bum is a surf tune with a twist. Arc is an indie track with a different twist. The gear is pretty much the same. Uh, so on the Boss uh, Fender American Professional Jazz Bass through a Boss CP One X compressor through a Tech Twenty One VT Bass Deluxe. Finally, into a Mark Bass Little Mark Three and its matching Four Ten. The guitar effects is a Boss CP One X comp a super boost and or jhs morning glory a boss digital delay from an ms3 fender uh standalone fender reverb unit clone weber mini mass uh with a through a vox uh with a vox ac 15 hw modded with a weber blue dog and mercury magnetics transformers the guitars used was a fender american professional strat for this song we're going to play this week uh, and it gives an ES390 for the accent on more saturated lead lines on both songs. Hope you enjoy our music and let me know if we made the cut or if we didn't. That'd be cool, too. Uh, this is, again, Arturo Rojas uh, from the band Corrupted Fundamentals. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the song. The song is called Beach Bum. Beach <laughs> Bum. 